Hey everyone, welcome to Resilience Unraveled. This podcast is the result of my fascination with subjects like resilience, accountability, burnout, life fulfillment and other life and work-based performance issues, as well as many of the other obsessions I bump into in my life. I spend my time working with highly successful teams, people and organisations, and this podcast introduces their remarkable stories and expertise, as well as my own synthesis of the key issues, strategies, tips, tools and resources to thrive in life. If you find this podcast useful, why not go over to our site qedod.com. If you'd like some resources on how to manage and beat burnout, head to qedod.com forward slash burnout 2019 for some goodies. Stay tuned to the end to find out details of how to order a free ebook. Enjoy the podcast. So today I'm talking to Darlene Lancer, and uh, Darlene has a very impressive website we're going to talk about later, and a huge uh, roster of books that are really interesting in terms of therapy and all sorts of different pieces. And um, she seems to specialize in something that's called codependency. Um, She describes it as being sneaky and powerful, and we're going to talk a lot about codependency today and its links to um, resilience, and I'm very much hoping that Darlene will also talk a little bit about um, perfectionism, and she has a book about that as well. So good afternoon, Darlene. Well, good afternoon to you, and it's morning for me, so I appreciate having the opportunity to speak to you and share my research and uh, experience with your audience. No problem. And you say it's morning for you, and I can detect from your accent that you're from the States. So tell us a little bit about where you are and what you do, yeah. Darlene. Well, sure. Thank you. I'm in California, and it's, I live near the sea in Santa Monica, which is a suburb. Or it's a small city adjacent to Los Angeles, right on the coast. And we get a lot of Brits coming over here in the winter for yeah. tourists. And it's sunny, and they call it sunny Southern California. And I see clients, couples, and individuals, and I write books, and I'm on post on social media all the time. So that's basically what I do. What a fantastic life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. So, um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice and, um, and, and this, this discussion about codependency and how you got into this sort of line of work. Well, I, I used to be a, an entertainment lawyer ah. in Hollywood, which is where I live in Los Angeles. And uh, after doing that for almost 20 years, I finally... Uh, got the courage to leave because I wasn't happy doing it. Sure. And um, it wasn't really my authentic calling, which yeah. touches on the subject of codependency. And then I went back to school and got a master's in psychology and pursued what I really wanted to do was to work with people. And I realized as a kid, I actually wanted to be a shrink. I was reading Freud's interpretation of dreams when I was just 12 years old and thought, wow, now that would be amazing to be able to understand the meaning of dreams. Yes. I don't think I agreed with Freud, even yeah. at 12. <laughs> but, um, 
But it was very I, much of its time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And then I uh, moved on to Jung when I was a teenager. Uh-huh. And I went to Carl Jung, and I, I liked that even him even more. And then I got sidetracked and um, wanted to work in the diplomatic corps, and I thought I'd go to law school. And um, but the Vietnam War really turned me off to that. Sure. So I, I ended up working in entertainment law, and uh, then eventually I was just I was successful at it, but I just wasn't happy. Yes. And I also wasn't happy in my marriage. Right. And I started counseling, and uh, I was seeing patients and. Uh, I was blogging and uh, about different things, and I actually wrote a blog about codependency, and that was part of my own journey. Right. Um, I was married to an alcoholic, and so I wrote a blog about it, and then the publisher, John Wiley and Company, that uh, publishes codependency, uh, the Dummy series. Yes. Asked me to write the book Codependency for Dummies. Okay. Because they had found my blog and I had to compete with some other writers and therapists and they but once they asked me and I started thinking about the topic in a, a deep way, I realized this was meant for me to write about because yes. even though I didn't officially specialize in it, that's really what I was doing with my clients was helping them Another way of looking at it is to inv- individuate, yes. to become their separate whole person. Yes. And that was also my journey. So I learned more in researching and working with my clients and, and also from my personal experience. So what, and then so, I was just overjoyed to be yeah. doing therapy and helping people and writing, which is the other thing I wanted to do as a kid was be an, a writer. Yes. So, so um, it's it's a it's a it's a word that's used frequently, but um, and I think sometimes used overused and used and abused. And maybe you can just break down codependency, what it is, and where yeah. it comes from, and why it might be a problem. Yeah. Well, there are different. There isn't one consensus uh, or consensual definition. It's not in the diagnostic code that psychologists and psychiatrists use. Yes. So uh, some people dismiss it because it's not like recognized by the American Medical Association, et cetera, like as a a diagnostic um, mental disorder. Yes. But clinicians use it all the time and we know what it is when we see it. And there's different definitions. And mine is really based on Uh, Some focus on the relationship and some focus on childhood. And I really focus on the individual. I think of it as a disorder of the self, that a codependent is someone with a lost self. And instead of tuning into your needs, your thoughts, your feelings, your wants, codependents, by and large, their thinking and behavior revolve around something external. Right. Be it a person, a substance, or a process. I see. So in my definition, I include addicts. 
I see. So I say addicts are codependent too. I actually had a uh, a dispute with one of my publishers because they couldn't figure it out because traditionally addicts were on one side and codependents were co it started from co-alcoholism right. were considered a different category and that was how uh, codependency arose as a term from research on alcoholism and family members who they called were co-alcoholics at first and then they saw that wait a minute their problems and their dysfunctional behavior continued after the alcoholic got sober and in fact when they looked deeper predated the marriage that they came from dysfunctional family system right so in the early days some of the definitions had to do with the family system that they grew up in um, so, but i so, see it as more as an internal problem so is this a re is this really about a lack of self-esteem well, it's deeper than that. Self lack of self-esteem is a symptom. Right. The deeper, one of the, the through lines, and in my book, Conquering Shame and Codependency, Eight Steps to Freeing the True You, um, I say that shame and codependency co-emerge. I couldn't say that one causes the other, mm. but they both co-emerge out of this unhealthy parenting and it often is transgenerational because right. your parents are going to be codependent and they're going to behave in a way that's going to generate that in you by not attuning to you um, uh, from emotional abandonments not being present for you every child needs to feel that they're uniquely loved by each parent. Yes. Just one parent is not enough. And that means that that parent wants a relationship with, with them. And it's not the same as conditional love. Like, uh, good boy, you, you know, you got an A or you, you uh, were the star of the football game or something. Yes. It's, it's for who you are based on your personality and your unique gifts or lack of them that you're lovable just for being, just for who you are. Yes. With no accomplishments. And um, that's rare. Interesting. And I noticed that um, in some of your writing, you talk about the fact that codependency comes from, or it's prevalent if you're raised in what you call a dysfunctional family. Um, yes. So, and, and then you go on to say that actually most families are dysfunctional. Um, mm-hmm. Is that a statement that's factual or is that just helping, is that just there to actually help us um, feel better or is that actually because well, it's I don't know if there's research, I don't know if there's actually research on that, but, it, it, but uh, it is just it is from observation. Yeah, hmm? it is interesting that we don't seem to or teach or train people in parenting, do we? We, we, see, we seem to spend a lot of time dealing with the symptoms of poor parenting without actually getting people to parent better. Yeah, it would be great if in high school they had a parenting course. Yes. It's so important and it's so undervalued. Yes. I mean, we, um, I find in my work in resilience that, again, a, a large element comes from parenting. And um, it does seem to be something that we miss out on, isn't it? So if we have, if we have someone who has a, an issue around uh, codependency, 
what symptoms might be seeing might be see, might might we be seeing well there's several core symptoms and mm -hmm. you touched on one is low self esteem yeah. and that's a factor of shame i see so there's a deep but most people at least in the west probably britain too they're maybe not so conscious of shame it's more commonly talked about in collectivist cultures i see a lot of because we have so many immigrants to see a lot of people from uh latin america from uh, the middle east from asia from russia and shame is talked about in the family you're ashamed to the family people are publicly shamed uh, in South Korea, students that don't, you know, com, com, do well on their exams even commit suicide out of shame. Yes. So it's a very, it's used to socialize children and, and, and the often in some countries, the political system uses it to coerce behavior through shaming. Um, but it's, it is, it's, it's, it's a, basic human emotion and it's worldwide in the west maybe because of the historical uh religious um beliefs that guilt is usually uh, more talked about people feel more guilty and actually guilt is um a healthier way because it means that you can change your behavior Yes. You did something wrong and now you can correct it and it encourages people to reform themselves and it can build self-esteem. Yes. A shame on the other hand makes people feel irredeemable. It's not what I did, it's I am the problem. Yes. So I am an outsider. I'm there's something wrong with me. Um I should it's a feeling of wanting to withdraw and that you're alienated from the mainstream that people don't like me uh that i'm not good enough that's a basic core feeling that codependents have that they're never good enough so they have to work hard to please people or to do extra work at the office or give more in a relationship or pursue someone who doesn't love them always trying to earn love and win love and that's comes from this deep they won't be conscious that they have shame but it propels that kind of it, it's the core of so much of codependent behavior right. and shame leads to fear and guilt and low self-esteem yes so people have irrational guilt uh even when no they feel guilty for other people's feelings or other people's behavior or things that they're not responsible for. And that comes from too much shame. Yes. Uh, another bit core symptom is control. So often they're trying to control other people mm. or control their emotions. And because going back to the definition that who they are is based on what someone else, how someone else thinks and behaves, it's all external. So that drives them to control other people. So I have to, you can think of people pleasing as a form of um, manipulation or control, um, or some people are very direct and say, you have to 
you have to do this and you have to do that. You have to listen to me. So you have to control someone else, their thinking and their behavior. So you'll, <clears throat> you will feel okay. And, and without being overly simplistic, is, is, there, is, it, is it possible to reduce the symptoms of shame or even to eradicate the, the initializing shame that might exist? Absolutely. Good. So what happens is with codependency, everybody has shame. It's just like anger or sadness is a human emotion. Mm -hmm. But I write about toxic shame. <clears throat> There's another um, clinical term called internalized shame. Yeah. And that's when we've experienced shame in our childhood from this dysfunctional parenting. And by the way, it doesn't have to be overtly shaming you're a bad boy or things like that or girl um it could just be parents uh ignoring your needs right. or why would you want that or that's silly or don't don't feel sad you know or yeah. or shaming anger yeah um sometimes for religious reasons so there's all kinds of indirect ways sometimes there's just too many children so a child gets ignored. There's indirect ways that parents sh uh, create shame, or there, of course, there's abuse, yes. all kinds of yeah. emotional, physical, sexual abuse. Yes. And um, so it gets what we say is internalized. Uh, we call it toxic shame because then it becomes part of the person. It's not just a passing emotion. Mm. It becomes part of their like personality. Some people... Um, you can tell by their posture, they just walk around, you know, they don't speak up, they don't reach out, they just are very, their whole personality is shame-based. Other people, it's more hidden. They could be very successful, but yeah. their their ego is very fragile. They're very defensive. I also believe that narcissists are codependent, too. Yes. I'm not going to get into that too much, but... Um, Yes, so you, the goal then is to not eradicate shame, but to normalize it. I see. So I could give you a personal experience. Like um, I had a narcissistic mother, and maybe you know that narcissists project a lot. Yeah. So um, she would say that I'm selfish or self-centered. And so those words were triggers for a lot of shame for me um, in irrational ways as an adult. Mm. And uh, I remember talking with a friend after uh, I was very upset about a relationship that was ending. And I was uh, feeling very sad and hopeless and dejected and rejected. And I was meeting with a friend and she said to me, you know, Darlene, um, this whole time you just you haven't asked me how I am. You've just been going on about yourself. Yeah. I would have been mortified in the yeah. past. Oh, I see. And just, I would have been so anxious. Oh, by the way, shame causes a lot of anxiety. It's called shame anxiety, and codependents have a lot of that. Yeah. And I would have just been speechless. I would have wanted to disappear or hang my head, not make eye contact. Those are symptoms of shame. And instead, I just said, oh, oh, you're right. Yes, I was just very upset about 
you know, this boyfriend situation. And I started talking to her and asking about her. I was able to be present and shift. So, or make mistakes, you know, on stage. Yes. You know, and not be able to lose your train of thought. So to be present and continue. So those are ways where it shifts and becomes normalized. We all have situations where we might feel humiliated, embarrassed. It's worse if it's in public. Public. Yes. But then we're able to shift. Maybe it bothers us for an hour, maybe for five minutes, maybe for a day, but it doesn't consume us no. like it would in the past, where people go on for months, maybe, and they can't get out of what I call a shame spiral. And I can, and they I can just see fall into a well of shame. And I can see there's almost a triage in therapy and being able to say certain types of shame, shame would respond best to CBT, some with deep counselling and such like. Um, and I think and so, so that, so actually seeing a counsellor or seeing a therapist is actually quite important to see which is the best course of treatment to deal with the underlying shame. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Yeah. And some people, you're talking about resilience and goals and some people feel ashamed, I write about this, of their their desires like i know someone wanted to be like a host like you are and or even a television host and that felt like oh that's too self-aggrandizing i could never i don't even want to tell anybody that's my secret wish yes so it could keep people from really you know pursuing what they want and it makes people um risk averse because they don't want to look foolish they don't want there's a learning curve and everything. They don't want to make mistakes. So they avoid, they just do what they, what's familiar. Yes. So it makes it hard to uh, get negative feedback. It makes it hard to take risks, to change, to try new things. Uh, other symptoms are dysfunctional communication, dysfunctional boundaries, perfectionism in some people. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much you want me to, and being dependent on someone else. Well, I think, I think rejection. So, so, so you're going to ask me how much I wanted you to go into that subject. We could spend a, an hour talking about that. But I think the place to go actually is to, to have a look at your website. And I think the, um, the um, URL is www.whatiscodependency.com. That's and, right. And, and actually, uh, it's interesting when, when you're on that website, there's, there's a lot of books about codependency. There's a, Conquering shame and codependency, which seems to be really a lot of um, about what we're talking about, but also also the actual book Codependency for Dummies is available there as well, and a Daily Reflections book as well. So you, you're obviously a very prolific writer, and um, and, and maybe the and maybe the starting point to, for somebody to think about, you know, if the if the if this discussion about shame is resonating with them, is to go and have a look at those books. Is that a sort of sensible starting point? Oh, yes. Um, I, want, I want to point out that the core symptom, uh, they call it the hallmark of addiction, and some people refer to codependency as an addiction or disease, or you get addicted to other people. Uh, it underlies all addiction. So if you have another addiction, you might look underneath that to see right. if there's some codependency with that whatever it is but what i was going to say is a core symptom is denial okay so just getting educated about codependency is the first step i see 
So people are in denial often that they're abused. Yes. I was being abused in a relationship and I didn't, I knew that, you know, it didn't feel good, but I didn't know that there was a, a word for it, that it was, that was, be, there's now is much more publicly talked about abuse. Yes. So it's more out in the open, but I didn't have a word for it. And when I started calling it out, it started lessening, yes. you know, so I was able to speak up and set boundaries. And that's one of the reasons I wrote a book, How to Speak Your Mind, Become Assertive and Set Limits. And then I did a webinar, How to Be Assertive, because that is so important in recovery, is to be able to have better boundaries, to be able to find your voice. Yes. Because when you grow up in a dysfunctional family, you feel like you don't matter. You don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. Your needs, your wants, your feelings, your words aren't are either shamed or they're just ignored or discounted in some way. So to be able to speak up raises your self-esteem and helps you recover. And then I wrote a book on 10 steps of self-esteem because we internalize those negative voices and we start criticizing ourselves. And that's the other huge obstacle. You mentioned CBT, that's an important tool yeah. and technique. Yeah. And my books all have CBT exercises in them. So overcoming self-criticism is another, um, you know, milestone or tool you can use to raise your self-esteem <clears throat> and overcome codependency. Yes. And by the way, the more you increase your ability to be assertive rather than passive or aggressive, those are the opposites. That builds self-esteem, and the more you build your self-esteem, the more assertive you are. There's a synergistic effect. Even in going on an interview, someone can size up your self-esteem just by the, your posture and the way you talk. Yes, very true. And actually, if you're the partner of someone who is um, experiencing codependency, actually part of your job is to help them become assertive and actually sometimes that's the easiest thing of all because you may spot you may be spotting one might be spotting these signs in your own partner never mind for yourself because and, well and, likely i think i usually think that two it takes two usually people are attracted to someone it may be see it's tricky because codependency can be expressed it comes out differently so it could be someone who is a pursuer then is with someone who seems very in he's someone who's a pursuer and seems needy independent and they they get in relationships with someone who seems very independent and yes. needless but underneath there's still codependency the behavior looks different or yes. someone who's a bully as i mentioned before or uh an abuser is also codependent uh a master needs a slave Absolutely. You know, but the behavior looks different. It looks like someone, the the victim looks like, oh, they're the codependent one, but so is the bully. They won't they won't want their their slave, their you know, the victim to become independent. They don't want them sharing what's going on. They don't want them to get therapy. They want to hold on to them. Yes, that's right. So there's still codependency underneath. Yes, that, that resistance within a, and I see this even within the workplace environment, 
that resistance to change you know where you have codependency is is very very difficult to to conquer um right even they say that to the in the most dangerous time when you're with an abuser is when you start to leave because exactly. they will try to stop you so that shows how dependent they are yes and but what you said about relationships and self-esteem i want to touch on it's very important that your self-esteem and i have a blog on how self-esteem will make or break your relationships nice and they have done research on this they've there's a lot of research on self-esteem by the way yeah, yeah. But, uh it your self-esteem can predict the longevity of your relationship and low self-esteem is a predictor for a poor prognosis. Yes. On the flip side, if you're with someone who has high self-esteem, just like if you're with someone with a secure attachment, there's a lot about attachment theory now, yeah. it can elevate your self-esteem because they will, they won't try to put you down. They will encourage you. They will, be your best supporter and fan to go out and take risks in the world and try something new. And yeah, so they're not, they're not threatened. Fascinating. And so it can raise your self-esteem if you're with someone with high self-esteem. Aren't we in a marvelous uh, sort of profession where we can actually help people and throw enlightenment on these sorts of issues for people? Yes. Yeah, Darlene. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed the beginning of the question. What was no, no, it's okay. I was just, I was just reflecting on the fact that all of this information that's available for people to help themselves, help other people, to make sense of the world is, is just incredible. And um, and your website has a ton of information on. That. I would really suggest people go and have a look at it. And in fact, I've I've already signed up to the um, 14 Tips for Letting Go series. <laughs> So, um, oh, thank you. Uh -huh. So I'm looking forward to receiving those and those videos, and and I'd really encourage you to go and have a look. Uh, Darlene, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really appreciate it, and, and I think and I think really what you've demonstrated today is your depth of knowledge. And actually, on a podcast, all we really do is scratch the surface of your knowledge. So please oh, do okay. go and have a look at that uh, website, which is whatiscodependency.com. So uh, thank, thank you. you so much, Darlene, for spending time with us today. Okay. Well, I just also want to just tell everybody that on my website, there's links to my YouTube channel, right. my Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, where I post every day. So yeah. I really appreciate this opportunity and it's been real fun. Thank you very much. It's an absolute pleasure. It's a really, I really enjoy talking to you. So you take care. Thanks for listening today. You can go to our site qedod.com forward slash podcasts and subscribe to hear other titles in our series. Or you can contact us at info at qedod.com to hear and find out more about tough love, leadership, accountability, resilience and burnout. You can go to our site qedod.com forward slash burnout 2019 to hear and get access to a load of resources to help you manage and fight burnout and you can go to qedod.com forward slash free ebook to hear more about the fundamentals of resilience until the next episode keep on thriving <laughs>